We meet in Jesus' name, and it's a privilege. And amen to what was shared. Todd uh, covered uh, a lot of the reason, the reason why we're here. And communion is a solemn and a sacred time. Um, it's a time where you come not to just watch or as a spectator, you come to participate. And I see we have some visitors here. You're, we're glad you're here. We're very welcome here. Those who are here that aren't planning on taking communion, we're glad for every one of you that are here. Feel free to remember and worship with us. But it's um, it's been a blessing to hear Wednesday evening your testimonies and this morning again. This service, like no other service, draws us together. And we contemplate. And I think I can talk for Eric and Todd. Uh, a, a communion service makes me aware of the responsibility that a pastor has. And you kind of think through verses like in Hebrews that say uh, that we're accountable for your souls. That, that uh, you're supposed to obey a leader uh, as one who gives account. We're responsible for your soul. And we, we think things like, uh, are we doing our share with our own needs, with our own shortcomings, with all of our flaws uh, of myself and as a ministry? Uh, are we doing what we should? And, and just these type of things make us think. It's uh, communion's a type of thing that draws us all together. Um, and are we sharing the things that we should share that, uh, that we are accountable for what we should be doing? Uh, Webster says communion is a sharing of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when exchanged on a spiritual level. And the number two, and both of them apply, is the service of Christian worship at which bread and wine are consecrated and shared. And... Uh, these are the kind of times when, when uh, you can't do this alone. You, you, think about, you think about these type of things. I'm sorry about this. I'm, I'm pretty warm here this morning. Uh, in the past, sometimes I want to be a Lego by myself looked attractive to be a Lego by myself. And I could imagine that I, I'm a pretty good Lego. And I, I could imagine that my sides were smoother than some of the Legos. And that my um, points were sharper than some, more, more perfect than some. But a Lego wasn't designed to be by itself. That's not what a 
That's not what a Lego was created for. Uh, <clears throat> I asked Chad and Caitlin to build me a church. That's what a Lego is part of something larger. A Lego by itself is not worth much. But a Lego, in Acts it says they're a part of something. The, the Moses and Jeremiah and Peter and Paul, and we come together this morning and we want to be part of, some of something larger than ourselves. We don't want to be one Lego by ourselves. And the, the apostles, as Jesus had this here thing that we're commemorating on his mind, he was going through it. And what they were thinking is, hey, can I stand out? Can I be a leader when you start your new kingdom? Can I be something that people all admire? But as we try to stand out, we st- to stand out alone, there's not much that we can do for us. There's not much that we can uh, accomplish. Together we are, Acts 2 says, together we are a house built on a foundation of apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. The stone that they said wasn't going to uh, uh, be okay to use, the stone that was rejected, that's the cornerstone. The cornerstone, when you're doing concrete or uh, concrete blocks, you set a corner and everything then is plumbed and straightened and leveled off of that there corner. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And it says in Acts, in that there, uh, a live church that was for real and that, that had uh, so much going for it right after Christ left, it said that there was four things that they concentrated on. Four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the Lord's Supper, and prayer. And they were together and God worked in miraculous ways and fire came down at that time and fire uh, was on the temple. And what was the temple? It was you. It was the Peter and, and the rest of them. As fire was on them. In the Old Testament, when God spoke and when there was togetherness and when there was incidents happened, fire came down from heaven when Solomon was done building the temple. And, and, but it, it came down on the individuals, you as a temple. But not on a single block, not by yourself, together. You know, I was so amazed, uh, I'd said lately how um, you can tell a lot by a person's prayers. And Jesus was praying in John 17, as we get close to the time where we were, where we're remembering this morning. He said, neither, do, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's you and I this morning. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. There's a couple of amazing things in that there, uh, prayer of Jesus Christ as he bared his heart before he went to die. He said, I wish that people in the church would be one in the same way that God and I are one. 
that there would be that kind of unity, that kind of, uh, and how close do you think God and Jesus were? How one were they? There was uh, a father that gave his son and a son that gave his life. And they were as one as one can be. And in Jesus' prayer that is printed, just so we can see it, just so we can understand where his heart was, he said, you know what I wish? I wish my church wouldn't be separate, wouldn't be individuals, wouldn't be trying to stand out, but would be one. And then the thing that amazes me on it is said, so that the reason that I want my church to be one is so that people are saved. You know, and when I think, okay, how can we get people saved? I think, you know, let's bring in a good speaker. The... Mennonite Michael Jordan. Let's bring him in and let's invite people in. Or let's individually, through dialogue, do a good job at explaining how things came true and how things written many, many years ago were prophesied and how they came true. And through, uh, through opening the Scriptures and through laying things out. Or, I think, boy... If I could call down fire and just burn one of your SUVs up or something, that would get your attention. Or if I could levitate up here or heal somebody or how is it that we can convince people of the the blood of Jesus Christ that they all stand in need of? And Jesus' prayer was, I want the church to be one so that people would be saved. I want Christians to have unity and work together so that the world might be saved. And Paul takes it a step further, and the, the verse is skipping my mind here, but he talks about that our togetherness and our unity and our structure, our, our togetherness convicts people of the judgment that is to come. And you think, how does it do that? And do we believe the Bible for, for what it says? That our unity has the influence to save souls from hell, to save people from making wrong decisions, to Convince people of their own judgment that is to come. <clears throat> that they all may be one, as Thou, Father, art in me and I in Thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe. And he goes on, uh, that the world may know that Thou hast sent me and hast loved them as, I love thee, as, as Thou hast loved me. So it's not, uh, it's not miracles that we're looking for, but it's this unity as we get away from 
needing to stand out by ourselves. And as we draw together, and as we're one in Christ, and as we are all part of the building, along with Moses, along with Abraham, along with Jeremiah, along with Peter, along with Paul, along with Lester, along with Dan, that we're part of a building much bigger than ourselves, that we're just a part, that we're not trying to say, I want to be this part, like the disciples were that night that we're remembering. I I want to be up here somewhere. But that we can be a part back here somewhere. Just a little part helping in that building. Just, Just one little part. Jesus said to his disciples, You know, I am so looking forward, I was so looking forward to this time together. Um, this Passover. Luke 22, he says, When the hour was come, he sat down with the twelve disciples with him, and he said to them, With desire, I have desired. And in the old writing, that is, I, I longed, and it's kind of a double statement. I, I've longed, I've longed for this, such a strong, I've just wanted this so bad. I've been looking forward to this thing, fellows. I, and he goes on in the next verse in, Jesus, uh, in 15, Luke 22:15. Jesus says, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Um, and just to take us back, just for a short remembrance. The Passover was instituted when Moses, when God was bringing his people out of Egypt. And they went through various plagues. And then the final plague was the oldest person in the household, the firstborn, will die. uh, Unless you take a step in faith and you apply the blood to the doorpost. Other than that, the oldest one in the family is going to die. And so those people who believed what the Lord said applied that blood to the doorpost. And as time went on, God instituted that as a Passover. And he said, I want you to do this because you guys are so quick to forget. You're so preoccupied with life and you're so you forget this so easy so uh, every year at the Passover you remember this and and tell your children about it tell them what the Lord's done for you tell them how he changed your life tell them how he brought you out of Egypt tell them how he saved tell your children use this as a time to explain it and train and tell and strengthen one another And um, so what happened was they bring a sheep, uh, a young lamb, I believe it was, was a was a criteria, a year old. Was it perfect? And they bring it to the priest. And we're told that they would lay their hand on the uh, on this young lamb as the priest would sacrifice that young lamb. And. 
as a, as a temporary looking forward to that perfect lamb, their sins were uh, taken care of and they would let their sins there with that lamb, that dying lamb. And Jesus said to his disciples, his inner circle, as he was just wrapping things up, he said, boy, I've always been looking forward to this. The next time I take this here, it's going to be fulfilled. And it's sort of sad or pathetic that Jesus says in that there meeting, as he's sitting down and he's taking part of this Passover, and he said, look, this bread... This is part of my body that's going to be broken for you. And this wine, this grape juice, is, represents the blood that I'm going to shed for you. And we're told that the disciples were thinking, I wonder if I could be first in the kingdom of heaven. When things change, when everything changes... And you say, well, how, how pathetic. And yet, we sit here this morning needing to apply that blood. It's an act of faith. And we're, we're needing to apply that blood because we, all of us, have come short. And come short. There's not a person in here who has the qualifications that they don't need to take that step in faith. We need to apply that blood of that perfect lamb that was killed so that our flaws and ugliness can be forgiven and we can appear to God as acceptable. And, you know, you think, well, Certainly after this all happened, it changed. And the church of Jesus Christ paid attention. They were more dedicated after that. And one only needs to look at, at first, I believe, 1st or 2nd Corinthians, where Paul is fixing some things for the church there that were broken already. We so soon forget. We so soon want to go out there by ourselves. Or we so soon have our selfish um, ways are our selfie. We, we're, we're so prone to wonder. And we're so grateful that God has made a way for us in our humanity, in our brokenness, in our ugliness, that He has made a way. The perfect Lamb that need slain, and He was willing, He gave His life willingly. When Satan should tempt me and trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. For he sees every weakness and knows every fear and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. And we remember as we go into this what Jesus has accomplished and not why it is that we deserve we only remember what it is that Jesus, the price that he has paid, not our own qualifications. Let's bow our head for prayer.
Lord, as we stop to remember.